0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church Podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. That's what Alex is waiting for back there. We want to release uh, teenagers, junior high, high school. uh, You're free to go. uh, Head back to the youth room, and they got a service for you back there. Amen. Well, I don't have a text. I have many texts, so you're just going to have to bear with me today. I want to minister something that the Lord really put on my heart. Actually, I'll tell you where this began. This began in our prayer meeting on Monday nights about two weeks ago, and uh, God began to stir me about this, Uh, but I want to take some time uh, to really develop this thought uh, because I think sometimes we we go too fast, we get to the punchline, the punchline's fun and good and all of that, but sometimes we don't realize why we're doing what we're doing, and so I really want to develop this thought. First of all, what I do want to say to you, and I brought out in the 830 service, there's a reason why we do what we do. Can you say Amen. There is a point to all of this, and the point is not that we just mark time in a religious service. We're not coming here just so that we could say, hey, you know, I did my uh, godly duty for the week, and I'm good good to go. We come here today because we want to be a part of the body of Christ that's having an encounter with the living Father. Can you say amen? The living God in heaven. We come here today because we want to know Him. We come here today because we want to be found In Him, We come here today because we want Him to fill us up and to have those encounters with Him. And I know today the great thing is, is that we can have encounters elsewhere. We can have them uh, at home, in the car, at work, wherever we find ourselves, because we have 24-7 access to Jesus. Can you say amen? We could go boldly before His throne. But there's something about church that is different there's something about coming here that we get nowhere else we get challenged here can you say amen we're encouraged to grow let me say this to you growth is enormously important in the christian life we cannot afford not to grow and i want to challenge you today that you would grow in your christian walk that we would be the people of god that we would walk out the plan and destiny that God has for our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. So with that thought in mind, setting that backdrop as a stage to where we're going to go, I want to begin this morning by reading a few verses of Scripture. And I want you to see if you can identify what they all have in common. So 1st or 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 says, "Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty." Luke chapter 5 verse 17 says, "Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was there, was present to heal them. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were, uh, were all with one accord in one place. All, sudden, all and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse Samuel sixteen twenty three, And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 39, On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had, had left the multitude, they took him along in, in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already, already filling. And he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke uh, woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, uh, uh, arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, did you notice in all of these verses what they have in common? It's not always easy to see. And it's not, oh, they're all in the Bible. <laughs> you, can't, you can't go easy there. It's, I mean... In each of these passages, there was a definite shift in the atmosphere. Now, there is an old adage that I use from time to time that goes like this. It says, we are called to be thermostats, not thermometers. And you say, well, what does that mean? It means we are called to change our surroundings, not just react to them. Can you say amen? And as children of God, we are called to change atmospheres, not just be subject to those atmospheres. It is so important to realize this morning that we live in two worlds simultaneously here on earth. Now, I'm not talking about your everyday life and your social media life. I'm, I'm referring to the natural world and the spiritual world. These two worlds are constantly colliding and impacting one another, and we stand in the middle. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about the countless things that you experience each day that affects you. The food you eat, the people you hang with, the people you work with, environmental factors like the temperature in the office, or the weather outside? And how about the physical or emotional stresses of just living life these days? And countless other numbers of factors that affect you daily, but we're unaware of it. Think about that for a moment. and Ask yourself, what about the spiritual realities? They also have an effect upon us without our knowing it. And all of them, all of these things, create an atmosphere in our lives. You need to know that. You need to understand this. Look at you are not just breezing through life unaffected or affecting. Amen. There's an atmosphere in here right now, right? You're affected by it. And you are contributing to it. Are you catching my point? There's all kinds of things going in. You walk into a room, and suddenly the mood changes for the worse. Has that ever happened? It's happened to me. It's kind of like going to the principal's office. You ever had the boss call you and say, I need to see you in my office now. You walk in there and you're like, "Uh uh-oh. There's a mood. There's, a, there's an atmosphere. I remember the first time Howard uh, came up to me, and he tapped me on the shoulder, and he goes, he always called me Poole. He either called me Reverend or Poole. Never Reverend Poole, but always oh, either Reverend or Pool. And he'd go, Pool, get upstairs. That was when we were downstairs. We had an upstairs office. And I think, I, and as I'm climbing the stairs, I'm going through the list in my mind. What did I do? Did I talk to somebody wrong? Did I, What did? What did I do? Did I? What did I? Did I not show up? What? I think I am going. I am in trouble. I'm going to get it, man. I'm. I'm going to be ripped apart up there. And as I walked in the room, I could feel this presence. It was heavy on me, and I'm like, wow. He says, sit down, and I'm like, oh man, it's going to be bad. I got to sit down. It's just so bad. I got to sit down for this. So I sit down, and he looks at me, and he goes church came open in needles. Do you want to go pastor it? No. No. And that's a whole other story. I won't go there. The point is there was an atmosphere, and there are natural and spiritual reasons for it. Now, you can blame it on all kinds of things, but you need to consider the spiritual factors. Are you hearing me? Now think about this for a moment. I I want you to just think, I know I'm taking my time here and I know I'm building this, but you need to, when you go home today, if you walk in your house and it's warm, what are you going to do? You're going to cut the AC on, aren't you? You're going to turn it on, cool it down. Why? There's an atmosphere. It's warm in here. You're going to change something, aren't you? If you go to work tomorrow and there's an atmosphere in the, job site or in the office or at school or wherever you go, what are you going to do? Well, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and just make it through. No? We don't want to go there? Okay, not yet. We'll, We'll get there. It seems bizarre that we would talk about something that, for the most part, we really can't physically feel. And I know there's no scientific way to measure a spiritual atmosphere, at least none that I know of. But those of us who have been believers for a while know that spiritual atmospheres are very real. Not only are they real, but they can have some very real damage. And we also have the capacity to dramatically interact with them Think about it. I I want you to just kind of think this through because I'm taking you somewhere. Have you ever felt oppressed? And then when someone prayed for you, that oppression left? That's the change of an atmosphere. Have you ever felt bummed out coming to church? You get in here and all of a sudden the music plays and you feel better. Or better yet, I know no one here has, but for those of those that didn't come to church, have you ever gotten a fight in the parking lot or in the car on the way here? I know Christians don't fight like that. But you get here and all of a sudden the music plays, the worship, and it begins to lift. Have you ever been filled with worry and fear? Have you ever had those moments where you're, it's just seeming to press in on you? but then all of a sudden either somebody prays or there's some worship or something happens and that atmosphere lifts. This was exactly what was happening when David would play his harp for Saul. He was changing the atmosphere. See, David was able to interact with the spiritual dynamic that existed in that atmosphere, and he was able to change it. And if David had the ability to do that. How much more do we because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives? So if we have the capacity this morning to change atmospheres, spiritual atmospheres, at any moment, why don't we do it more often? Simply put, because we lack the discipline of spiritual awareness. Here's a problem that I see in Christianity is that when we are in church, we tend to be really spiritually aware. But when we leave church, not so much. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter where you go, there are spiritual dynamics around you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are spiritual realities and in the same way that through life we learn the dynamics of living and being aware in life regarding all of the different things that we face, we must also learn how to be spiritually aware. Can you say amen? We must learn to tune our spirits to what's going on around us and what's taking place in front of us and then understand the tools that has been given to us so that we can change those realities. Let me show you this scripturally. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 says, and he's speaking here about maturity. He says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now think about this. What is he saying? He's saying mature people use and practice and exercise their spiritual senses to understand and to discern what is good and and what is evil. That's Christian maturity. And we don't do that just so that we can have information. We don't do that so that we could take some sort of spiritual inventory. We do that so that we can bring change to what's going on around us. Come on now. I, I know this is real because this, this has happened to me many, many times for a long time in my, my, my life because I was not exercising that kind of spiritual discernment. I would come into places, a church service, in fact, and I would start feeling really heavy. I would start feeling bummed out and, and I would start thinking, well, what's going on here? I must be having a problem, something. But what was happening is I was feeling the atmosphere around me. Pastor Harry operates in this kind of thing I've seen him before he'd be preaching and in the midst of the sermon he would stop and he would say wait a second somebody here's got a pain right here in their back right here right just about their kidney right about there you're really in pain right there and they would lift their hand and he would say well let me pray for you He'd pray for him and their pain would go away and the pain in him would go away now can you imagine if he felt that pain and went you better rush me to the hospital and the doctor get there and go there ain't nothing wrong with you What's happening? He was, there was a spiritual awareness and we are required and we are expected to act in that dimension, to change it, to move it. John, 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. He's saying, test this. We live in a time where there's a phenomenon taking place that is really, really quite dangerous to the Christian church. See, everybody has an opinion now. And everybody has a thought. Everybody has a prophecy. Everybody has an interpretation. And everybody has a platform. Just ask Google. And so what happens is now because of technology, because it's pretty easy to put a fairly decent web page together that looks pretty professional, you can sell horse manure represented as actually Bible interpretation and say, look at, I got the mind of God and it's nothing more than Fertilizer. And if you're not careful, and you don't try the spirits, you will be pulled in to something that is simply just shiny. It looks good. And that's what he's talking about. He says, wait a second, immaturity. He says, in, not immaturity, but in our maturity, we are to change the world around us. We are to sense this. We are to see it, and then to do something About it. Can you say amen? He says, Test it. Don't believe every spirit because not every spirit is true. Don't believe every thought. There's thoughts that you will think that are not your thoughts, they are sown there by the devil. Are you hearing me? You will have feelings. Well, I just go by my feelings. That's tragic. If you go by your feelings, you are going to be a wreck. You are going to ride the roller coaster called life. And it is going to be filled with ups and downs, twists and turns. And you're not going to know what's coming next because your feelings are really, really good servants. They're really bad masters. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. So what he says is we have to have this discernment. See, just as David knew that the music would soothe Saul's troubled mind, we must also know what is necessary in various situations to shift the spiritual atmosphere. Sometimes it is as simple as acknowledging the presence of the Lord. Because listen to me, his nearness is constant. He is always close to us. But my awareness is not always constant. That's why we sense his presence in worship not because he's any closer in worship at any other given time, but the reality is it's because I'm more aware of his presence at that time. And the more we become aware of his presence, the more we can live in a place of hope and expectation, believing that things are going to change. Because when we are conscious of it, we realize we are dramatically connected with the ever-present God of hope. And that changes everything. See, when it looks like everything is gone, when it looks like there is no hope, when it looks like there is no way, you will hear the word of the Lord that says, I will make a way where there is no way. This is such an important understanding or important revelation to understand. And understanding this principle in the context of our Christian walk can really mean the difference between victory or defeat. See, so often we don't recognize these very real spiritual atmospheres surrounding us and they end up pressing in and they end up invading our lives. They agitate our spirit, they confuse our minds, and they afflict our bodies. And because people don't recognize this, what they do, they'll internalize the struggle. Hear me. They will begin to believe themselves as the source of the problem or they are the difficulty. For several years, this happened to me. For several years, every Sunday, I would get up. Kathy and I get up at 6.30 in the morning. Well, I get up at 6.30. She's up before me. And I we get up and it would be fine until probably about 7.15. is when we get in the car. and the trip, the 10 minutes it takes to get from our house to here, in that 10 minutes, it would get darker and darker and darker and darker and darker. My mood would get more somber. It would get heavy. And I would think, wow, I don't know that I could do this. And I would get to church and I would be bummed out. I would not want to do it i would think all kinds of things and i begin to believe that i had a problem i begin to believe that somehow i am a failure at this because i was internalizing the struggle i was believing the lie i was becoming just like the atmosphere until one day i begin to realize that what i was sensing is i was sensing a spiritual battle that was raging Once I begin to sense that spiritual battle, once I begin to sense that it wasn't about me, but that it was about a spiritual battle that had an atmosphere, then I could begin to engage in the change of that atmosphere. And I'm telling you, church, listen to me, I'm telling you that happens in marriage, that happens on your job. That will happen with your children. Look at I just got done telling you how great my kids are. There's been times when I've thought my kids ought to be shot. (laughs) I don't know why I don't say this in the 830 instead of the 1030 when it's online. Now the rest of the world goes, he wants to shoot his kids. I did not say I want to shoot my kids. It's an atmosphere that I'm not buying into. I just, I just, I had to say that to the camera there real quick. The reality is, is what happens is this atmosphere will sit on you. It'll begin to make you think things about people, about people you love. What happens is if we don't internalize it in ourselves, then what we begin to do is blame others. Oftentimes with little more than a feeling to convince us that it's going on. Even though Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, clearly states that our struggle is not with flesh and blood. Listen, listen to this. Ephesians six twelve. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What does it say? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now look at church. I am not so naive as to say that people don't affect our lives. They do. But look at you cannot begin there. You cannot look at those people and go, they are my problem. They are not the problem. They are the victim just as much as you are. And what you need to do is discover the atmosphere or the work behind the person and say, what's the motivation and why is this happening? And you have the power to change it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This happens in marriages all the time. I see it all the time in marriages. There's an assumption, and they begin to fight one another. I say this in marriage counseling all the time. I will ask them. I'll I'll ask the husband. They'll be fighting back and forth, and I'll stop, and I'll say to the husband, let me ask you a question. What would you do if I just stood up and walked over to your wife and slapped her as hard as I could? I mean, I just, pow! What would you do? most men, because they got bravado, go, I'd get up and I'd take care of you. I said, then why are you allowing the devil to do that to her? And they look at me like, what, 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 what? No, no, you've got an invader. You have a spiritual entity. You have a reality, an atmosphere that is drifted into your home, that is taking advantage of your family, your children, everything you own, and it's twisting, and you're blaming. Now, I know sometimes as people, we work. I've had people work with the atmosphere. But what I cannot do is I cannot start by dealing with them. I have to deal with the atmosphere first. I have to do the necessary work first. Otherwise, I'm just like a farmer that goes out and picks all the apples off the apple tree in hopes of killing the apple tree. I mean, it's that silly. That's what we do. Get all the apples. There, we don't have an apple tree no more. No, you have an apple tree. You just don't have any apples on it. But another harvest is coming. There will be another fruitful season until you get to the root. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And these very real atmospheres can bear, bring very real damage. But there is good news. And the good news is this. God has given us the ability to change spiritual atmospheres, Sp- Shifting and changing spiritual atmospheres is what spiritual warfare is all about or hearing me. Now, I need you to listen to me this morning because changing and shifting a spiritual atmosphere is an intentional act. It will not change on its own. It will not. You're not going to ride it out and say, hey, let's just give it some time. It's kind of like your old Buick that you parked in the garage 30 years ago. It broke down 30 years ago, you've waited 30 years, it still broke down. Time does not change and heal all wounds. It might dull its senses, puts enough distance between you and the wounding, it don't sting anymore, but it still exists. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So often, it seems like all we do is react to the atmosphere rather than discern it and shift it. And I believe that's why we live too much on the defensive. We spend way more time in recovery from something that has happened to us than overcoming something that is happening. We need to act as agents of change. That's what we were designed to be. That's why gave us God gave us His power. He didn't give us His power so that we could hunker down and hang on. We're gonna ride this bad boy out. No, we're gonna change the atmosphere. So the grand question is how? How do we effectively and positively change and the shift the atmospheres that are ungodly around us? Well. There are five ways I want to explore very quickly, and I am sure that there are many, many, many more. But for us today, we're going to look at five. And the number one way probably goes without saying, but we'll say it anyway, worship is the most effective way to to shift an atmosphere. We've all experienced that moment of discouragement and being bummed out, and in that moment we turn on worship music and it lifts, doesn't it? we feel better. We come to church, we're bummed, that atmosphere is on us, we don't know what to do. But then they begin to sing, just like that last song we sang, it's just such a beautiful song. And we listen to the words and we're moved by those words and that worship and we feel better. We're, we feel hope, we feel like maybe we can overcome, why? Because worship, worship is bringing the presence of God it's allowing us, we are becoming more aware that He is right there. Can you say amen? Now listen, worship is not a one-dimensional practice that precedes a Bible study or a church service. It's not, you know, we don't have, we don't have a worship service so that we can let everybody that's late come in and find their seat. The reason we have a worship service is we're setting a tone. We are setting our atmosphere. We are being, we are being offensive, not defensive. We're going to set a platform for God to move, and it's a powerful tool. And we know all about King Jehoshaphat. I want to share that story with you. How many remember King Jehoshaphat? He's confronted the, the, the Moabites and the Ammonites. They were all coming against him, and there was thousands of them, thousands and thousands. And Jehoshaphat is just freaked out. He doesn't know what to do, but he does what's right he goes and gets the prophet, and he gets a hold of God. He said, what's going to happen? And God basically says this, look, the battle's mine, it's not yours, you're not even going to have to fight, so don't worry about it. Then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I believe, Jehoshaphat says, okay, tomorrow, when all this is to take place, we're going to leave the warriors behind us, but we're going to put the praise team out front, and we're just going to worship God and see what happens. And there was a mighty, mighty victory so it was so big it's so bad that that the victory that they had it took three days for them to literally pick up the spoil it not only changed their atmosphere it changed their economy think about that for a moment it blows me away but here is the kicker this is the verse i want you to listen to second chronicles 20 verse 30 it says then then, this is after, then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Now, I've come to an age where that sounds really good to me. I don't know about you, but I've fought enough battles. I've wrestled with enough demons. I've dealt with enough problems. I've answered enough questions. I'm looking for quiet. I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for rest. That's an atmosphere. Can you say amen? Have you ever have you ever sat in a peaceful atmosphere? There are times where I, I've done it out in the prayer room. I, I just I stop praying, I stop talking, I shut up. And I sit there and I close my eyes and I bow my head and I just sit in the presence. Wow. There's more done in that moment with than with me rambling on. I can ramble on for hours. But in that moment, the presence, and that's what's happening. They go out, they're in crisis, there's an atmosphere, they're worried, they're afraid. The enemy, they're they're not just threatening, they're there. This is big time. And they worship. The enemy is overthrown. They're given so much spoil that it takes three days to get it all. And they had peace and quiet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what worship will do for you. That's how you fight. So I don't feel like worshiping. So what? Worship anyway. Do you feel like being in this atmosphere? Do you, feel, do you like the tension? Do you like the fear? Do you like the worry? Do you like all that? Do you, like, do you want that? See, it's hardwired into us to be active and proactive. We like to be Mr. Fix-It. We want to fix things, but look at some things are beyond your ability to fix. So, what you do is shift the atmosphere. You change it by worship. The second thing is declaration. The Bible is filled with examples of declaration and declarations of faith changing atmospheres. Let me show you what I mean. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 23. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says comes to pass, he will have whatever he says. Now, I am certain that, that there are times in our life when there may be a physical mountain in our way and we'll have to speak to it to cast it out. But more often than not, we're talking about an atmosphere. And what Jesus said is he says, don't talk about the mountain, but rather talk to the mountain. Yeah. See, the problem is, is we like talking about the mountain. Yeah. Well, have you heard how bad I got it? Well, I'm telling you, Pat, life is horrible for me. I'm telling you, man, things are tough and, you know holy cow you know i i struggle pat i I, let me just tell you 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 know you did ask me how i'm doing so i'm going to tell you how i'm doing (laughs) you know the cat had the cat had puppies and you know what kathy's running amok and the kids are nuts and and you know what i can't get nobody wants to do anything the way i want to do it and i'm just like i'm my life is horrible does that solve anything Nothing. In fact, it deepens the atmosphere. But when you look at it and you go, you know what Jesus said? He says, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. And you don't have to put up with this. So in the name of Jesus, I command all doubt and unbelief to leave. I command all fear to get behind me in the name of Jesus. I have more than enough because God is a God of more than enough. He shall supply all my need according to his riches of glory by Christ Jesus. And I'm going to speak right at you. I have victory. I win. I win. Don't look like you're winning. I don't care. The race ain't over. I win. I win. No, no, you didn't get it. I win. Who who wins? I win. Amen. Say that every day. Get up in the morning. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I win. In Mark chapter 4, verse 39, we read it. Jesus is asleep in the boat, which still amazes me. They are freaked out. And Jesus simply got up and he went, Peace, be still. And the sea was calm. Sometimes what you got to do is you got to declare peace. And when you declare peace, you are not declaring a dimension. You are bringing a person into the scene because he is the Prince of Peace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Third thing, prayer. Prayer changes things. Probably more than you know. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 and 2 says, When Solomon had finished praying, I love this, Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Now, I need you to think about this because if you go back and you read this in chapter 6 of Second Chronicles, it's the description of, of what Solomon did. They had just finished the temple and Solomon, I love it. He, they build him a box And they let him stand up on the box he's facing the brand new temple holds up his hands and he begins to pray and he begins to he begins to declare and he begins to pray at the temple and he goes so far as to say even when god we blow it even when we backslide, this will be the place where we'll find you again. It'll be in this place that we will come back with repentant hearts and you will clean us and you will bring us back to yourself and you will help us and he goes and he dedicates this temple and it's awesome and this prayer is just wonderful. And see, it's, there's pageantry in it and you know, it really got me thinking. I was reading this in my devotional time yesterday and it so moved me that I called Amy up and I said, we need to get, dedicate that little boy i said we need to do this this is serious this is not just by the by the way this is not some little thing we do to make parents feel better so we could take pictures this is real this will change his life so we pray so fire will fall can you imagine can you imagine i want fire to fall Now there's no doubt God does it differently in the New Testament than he does in the Old, but he is still fire, and it's the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? And he'll ignite you, and when you pray, you hold up your hands. And I've done it, church. I've stood in this pulpit when there's been nobody here, and I've stood, and I've lifted my hands, and I spoke to every one of those chairs. You're anointed because I anointed those chairs, and it is rubbing off on you. (laughs) you're going, whoa, wow. I got a little more than I was bargaining for when I came here. You will, because I mean business. Man, if we're just, look at, I say this, and I always kind of regret it after I say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. If we're just going to play church today, then let's go out to eat. Let's go get a cheeseburger or some other thing. Let's stop. Religion is death. I want Jesus. I want God. I want Holy Spirit. Uh, I, look at, I want, I, I, I've I. read stories that have happened in the in the recent past where one pastor, he's talking, uh, Tommy Tinney, he, he writes a book called The God Chasers and he goes to do a revival and he's standing there and there's this plexiglass pulpit and he's standing there like this and God begins to move and that plexiglass pulpit split right in half and fell down. And that was it for the service man. They were in there for four hours, five, six hours, everybody repenting and going, I want that. I want, I want this. I want this to melt. I want fire to fall. You know what I'm saying? I, I want God to move. Why? Because we need it. I am tired of counseling uh, to no hope. I'm tired of seeing people live in sin with no hope. I'm tired of people that are with their minds so broken they can't see straight. When there is an answer, I'm tired of hospitals being filled. When we have a God that is a healer, and you say, why aren't we seeing it? I say, it's because we haven't learned uh, to change the atmosphere. It's because we go through life like we don't know anything's happening and the devil is running amok and it's time to stop yeah. Yeah. number four it'll <laughs> well, get worse, hang on repentance second chronicles, listen to these verses when, when you read these verses this is the second to the last verse, Jason. So the the repentance, listen, second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Amen. That's a change of atmosphere. If my people are called by my name will humble themselves. That's deliberate, isn't it? Pray and seek my face and will repent. You know what the word repentance means? It comes from a Greek word. It's a compound word, metanoio. Metanoio. Meta meaning after. Noio meaning knowledge. So the. Most literal translation of the word repentance in the Greek is after knowledge. It's what we do after we've learned something. It's changing our mind. Changing our mind. So we we were going in a direction. Our mind was moving in a direction. Then we learned something. And after we learned that, we made a shift. And we changed directions. Metanoio took place. And it changes the atmosphere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Finally, the last one, obedience. Exodus chapter 40, verses 16, verse 16, and then 35, 33 through 35. It says, Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. So he did. Verse 33. And he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You say, well, why did the, why did the cloud come? What, what happened? Why was the presence so thick? It's because Moses was obedient. He did everything the Lord told him to do. See, the God, God gave very, this is why reading like the law is so important, not just skipping through it, reading through it, because you may not completely understand it in context of your life, but you'll understand its result. See, when you go through, you'll find out that God was concerned even about the thread the color of the thread that they would use to sew the panels together the, the drapes and the different things that separated the different rooms and the positioning of things and God was very particular and Moses followed it to the T Moses obeyed God didn't question him he didn't say why, why, do you, why? he said this is what we're doing because God said it that's why And when he did, God's presence came on. You know, sometimes I I struggle from time to time. And even like a sermon like this, this is a little bit different, a little bit of a departure from some of the stuff that we do. And sometimes I wonder, I think, oh, well, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to spout off like I normally do. And, you know, people are going to look at me and go, man, who, you know, who changed his Wheaties today or whatever? And I get, I get a little nervous and I think, God, do you really want me to do this? And I've just determined, I determined a little while ago that, you know, if God gives me a sermon, I'm just going to do it. And, and, and I'm, I, I, God's, I'm just, you know, I'm, I, am i am not even the cook. I am just the, I'm the guy that's just bringing the meal out. I'm the, I'm the guy holding the tray full of food. You can eat it or you can leave it there. You may not like it, but you have to talk to the cook. You can yell at me because I'm the guy you see, but it's the cook. See, I believe, church, that God really does. I believe that he wants to do something in this church, and I believe he has a great destiny for this church. Not so that we can run around at a minister meeting and say, look how good we are, how big we are, or look, look at all that God's doing here, but so that we can be effective in the world around us. God loves this town. God loves the people of this town. But I could tell you that there are some real problems in this town. And God has a real answer for those problems. And He's waiting for a people that will tap into Him so that He can bring a real answer. And I believe that's what God has put on my heart. I, I, you know, the days of notoriety and popularity and all of that, I don't care. I, I really don't. I, I don't care. What I want is I want to see God move. I really want I, want, I want to see blind eyes open. I want to see deaf ears open. I want to see the dead raised. I want to see people that are hopeless find hope. I want to see marriages that are doomed come back to life. I want to see people that don't know God come to know him in a way that's rich and vital. But what we're going to have to be is we're going to have to grow. We're going to have to grow and be mature and we're going to have to learn to exercise our spiritual gifts, and we're going to have to discern what's going on, and then we're going to have to take action. And that begins at home. I remember years ago, and then I'll shut up. Years ago, I, I would complain to Howard when, back when I was a young disciple. I'd, oh, I want to be a pastor. I want to preach. I want to preach. I want to preach. And this is what Howard told me. He says, "Okay, go home and preach." I didn't even have kids then, so she was the audience. She didn't respond to the altar call too much. Or he said, you know what, go out on the street and preach. (laughs) I don't know if anybody, you've been here long enough. Do you you remember there was a bar here called the Long Branch? And they were on the corner of Willow and um, Airway. Me and Jeff Adams would go (laughs) across the street where uh, Unisource is now. We would stand in that parking lot with a bullhorn looking at their door. And we'd preach at that building. I want you to know you're nothing but a bunch of foul sinners, you come out of here, you demon of alcoholism. We weren't good. It was bad. It was bad. It was it was more condemnation than it was anything. There was no grace. We were calling lightning and thunder, and we were calling fire out of heaven to burn it down. And you know, it was just horrible. But we were doing something. The only the only thing we got is God's like, oh Gabriel. Yeah. We have to stop all of those prayers, but I'm just glad they're doing something. But we did something. And you know what? Sometimes we've got to be proactive, and it starts at home. That's the point. And sometimes what you've got to do, you can't shift the atmosphere of a nation if you're not at willing to shift the atmosphere in your marriage or your home or your children, your job. You understand what I'm saying? Let's bow our heads. Father, we just come before you right now. And Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness. And we thank you, God, for this revelation. Help us, Lord. Lord, speak to our hearts, God. Lord, stir this within us, God. Teach us. Instruct us, God. Give us wisdom and understanding. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. And I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're in this place or if you're watching online, you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you'd like to give your life to Christ. If that's you, if you're here in-house, would you lift your hand? Just lift it up. You need Jesus. Maybe you're out of fellowship. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. Someone else. You're not in fellowship with God. You're kind of disconnected, but you'd like to come back to him. Amen. That hand. Someone else. If you're online, we're going to pray here in just a moment and you pray with us. You can put those hands down. Let's say this prayer, all of us. Let's say, Lord Jesus, we ask you to come into our hearts, to be our Lord and Savior. We give our life to you, and we receive your life. We thank you for dying on the cross for us, and we love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me say something to you real quick. As our ministry team is coming, That prayer doesn't save you, but what it does is it starts it. What it does is it acknowledges your need for Jesus. Now you say, well, what do I do? You begin to follow him. You allow him. You say, you know what, I'm surrendering. That that prayer is your surrender. That is your, your moment of surrender. You say, I need you, Jesus. I'm surrendering my life. Now every day you begin to build on that and you begin to allow that to work. And you follow him and you call out to him, and he will help you. Can you say amen? If you prayed that prayer or you need prayer for anything, we're going to stand right now. If you need prayer, come on up. Let them pray for you. The rest of you, we dismiss you. God bless you. You're free to go. You have a great, wonderful Sunday afternoon.